You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. This week, Father Paul explains from Biblical Hebrew the technical link between a full prostration and the immutable requirement that a judge adjudicates a case, not a person. I am delighted to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. And here in 27, you have to have the explanation. Why? Because he passed. Pasach. There you have the verb very clearly used. Okay? Those who know Arabic can more easily or more readily link it to Fasacha in Arabic. Like if you have a chicken and you want to pull it apart. We say in Arabic, Fasikh. Okay, pull apart so that you can separate the pieces. Now, ultimately, you say, ah, so Passover, that's not the point. The Passover is not your passing, but it is the passing of God, and you will hear soon this two imageries during the day you have a column of cloud at night you have a column of fire because during the day you need the protection of the clouds against the sun and at night you need some light for you to walk very interesting scripture and the children love that trust me they do you know at school, you love to read stories. Well, read their scripture instead of your silly stories by the brothers Grimm. Grimm is Grimm. We need some light in the life of these children, not Grimm. For he passed, Pasach, and thus you have this connotation of the division of the water and also the division between Israel and Egypt. And you hear it very clearly. He differentiated. He put the pieces aside where he slew the Egyptians but spared our houses. And this stressed to the children is way before the passing of the Red Sea. That is the feast of the Pesach. When you could have been destroyed, and actually some of you would and have been destroyed if they didn't put the blood of the Lamb on their doorposts. So it's not that Show me your ID. Are you a Jew or an Egyptian? 
There are no IDs in Scripture. That's the silliness of the modern nations, which becomes the essence of the essence, and it influences also the attitude of the Christians, and I refer especially to Orthodox living in these nations. They want to show the ID. They made out of the orthodoxy an orthodox ID. How to recognize an orthodox is by the sign of the cross, how they do it. Or that they go to the orthodox church and not to the Pentecostal church. And all these sillinesses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. And the worshipping in Hebrew, let me take again an aside, I know most of you know that, but it's good to rehear it, is to bow down in full prostration. This is what it means. And then in Orthodoxy you have a, a small prostration, immediate prostration, a full prostration, which is ridiculous. You prostrate, you prostrate completely. And let me take an aside, you may have heard that, but it's good to understand, it's functional. This is my proof that the deity in those times were perceived as a judge, as God acts in Psalm 82. You don't have God and every day between 4 and 6 p.m. he plays the judge. The function of God is to judge and thus to issue the blessing or the curse. And for him to be and thus appear for an outsider just, it's not he justed by the looks, by the acceptance of the face. Let's take an aside here. You know that word, in Galatians, God has no acceptance of the faces. In Hebrew, the original expression is to raise the face. Why? Because if you are in a position of total prostration, the judge doesn't know who you are. You know that classic term. The judge is to judge a case and not a person. Repeat after me. The judge, to be just, has to be judging a case and not a person. Now, if the person is standing or sitting, the judge can see that person. Now, if the judge has a relationship of that person, then the judge is going to recognize that person, a niece or a nephew or a friend. But in the position of full prostration, the judge has no choice but to judge a case. So let's put these things together. And this is a very interesting thing to teach to the six to ten children. Forget about theology. And that's why I shared the original terminology. Acceptance of the face. 
Well, the original Hebrew does not have this. Is to raise the face. Nasa panim. And the judge is not allowed to do that. Not the judge does not do it. That God chooses not to accept faces. No! If he chooses, then he's no God. So that is the importance of this full prostration, let's call it this way. And that is the position that people have before the deities in all your pictures or on the walls that you see. But the interesting thing is that in the Christian tradition, especially in the Roman Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church, Orthodox Church, you have cheating, you know, because the Orthodox are not as sturdy as the Roman Catholic. They do half a prostration going up to the bishop and then the two helpers are helping them to stand out and so on. Well, this is not what you see in the Roman Catholic tradition of the ordination of a monk or a nun or a priest. They are totally on the floor with their face on the floor. And then an extra, their hands stretched and people think that it is in the sign of the cross. And No! So that their hands would be so far away that they would not be able to use them to raise their head. They can turn it left and right, but it doesn't help. And this is how I would like you to explain prostration. Show a movie of the ordination of a Roman Catholic priest or a monastic. And then, very interesting, and we'll stop here so that we can proceed with the firstborn with the verse 29, but here we have in verse 28, then the people of Israel went and did so, and then the text tells you that here in North America, did so, that's, that's clear, that's enough. No, it's not enough for the author. As the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. For you, NATO hearer, it's a repetition. You know, Father Paul, being an Arab, likes to say things twice or three times, you know. We got it the first time. Well, the author is the author. He assumes that you didn't get it. He explains to you what it means. That what they did is they did what the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron and through them the people. Very powerful. And let me finish with a joke. I'm sure Father Mark will allow me. I still have one minute. And it's my right, Father Mark, this minute. You gave it to me. I stick with it. The famous joke of my colleague, John Barnett, who told me that he said to the students that always complain whenever they are in my office, I say things twice. 
And his interpretation was, you know, just you have to take Father Paul with a grain of salt. He is a Semite. He takes very seriously that you have two ears. And thus he's not speaking to your nose or to your one soul. He is speaking to your ears. And I was very pleased with that. But to a few people, I explained to them that this has a more ominous value than you imagine. Because if I said it twice, then on the day of judgment, when the Lord accuses you of a sin, and you say, well, I didn't know about it, and he will say to you, have you had an appointment with Father Paul? And you have to say yes. Did he say it once or twice and sometimes in excitement thrice? And then you are caught with your pants down. You heard it. That is the intention of the repetition. So please mark that verse and read it to the children. Not to yourselves and your colleagues, those adults, to the children. Then the people of Israel went and did so as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. And you have it in English in this case, which is enough. Okay, Father Mark is smiling because unbeknownst to him, he was forced to allow me an extra minute and he has no choice but to smile. Smile, Father. No one can see, but I'm lying on the floor with my hands outstretched. <laughs> okay, buddy. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network. 